Radio. It is almost the end of July. The trade deadline is approaching. And hey, the Reds are currently in a playoff spot and they do not have to face the Milwaukee Brewers in the regular season for the rest of the year. I think that feels pretty good. Uh, that's how we're going to view this. Uh, I'm Donnie. We're going to talk about it. Steve, Rob, what's up, boys? It's been a wonderful day here in Arizona. Uh, it is only one twelve today, uh, down from our regular mm-hmm. opening 17 over the weekend. Um, but it was a little bit of a hot streak for the Reds there um, as they swept the beloved here Arizona Diamondbacks. But another tough series in Milwaukee, and let's talk about it. Rob, how about you? How you doing? I was feeling pretty good going into this series against Milwaukee. Uh, pretty tough to see him lose two out of three to the Brewers. Um, but, you know, they've had our number all year. What, what's the record now? We're like 2-11 and 11 against them this year. Um, so it's um, they have our number. The Brewers are a good ball club. They match up well against us. Um, but, yeah, before that, they were riding hot. They won five in a row. They took two – or they split the series with the uh, the Giants, and they swept the Diamondbacks. So I kind of thought that momentum would carry in. Uh, apparently not. Yeah, I saw the tweet today that had, like, each team's record versus each other and then record versus the rest of the MLB. And it, it really puts in perspective that uh, both teams are where they are because of their records against each other. I mean, if we had played 500 ball against the Brewers, we'd be – comfortably out in first uh, which is uh, I think that's a good thing when you think about the rest of the season right we're positioned well uh, you know they don't get to beat up on us anymore they're gonna if they if we each have the same records that we have against non-brewers opponents non-reds opponents in their case we will have a better rest of the year than them uh, and I think our schedule gets a lot easier uh, in the month of September too. So feeling all right. We're we're eight games above 500, and we are uh, in the second wild or tied for the first wild card spot. Hard, hard to complain. Yeah, for sure. I agree with that. And I was looking, I was reading an article today from the Athletic about just where the Reds are at in the trade deadline scenario. And um, I keep making this comparison between the 21 team and this year, just because it's my most recent window into the Reds being good and. We got to just remember that at this time, uh, at the trade deadline a couple of years ago, we were only four games up. And uh, Donnie, remind me how many games up we are again right now. But like, I, we're definitely doing a lot better. And that month of June really catapulted us uh, to be in in a really good position right now. Well, to be fair, the, um, the wild card in the NL is kind of a glut. There's uh, five teams all within, you know, pretty much within a game. Uh, for for the three wild card spots, uh, the division is pretty much. It seems like it's going to be a runaway of just the Reds and the Brewers. I'm not really worried about the Cubs playing a little better. Uh, I don't expect that to last. They're in a weird spot though, where I don't know. Do they? Do they? Are they buyers at the deadline? 
I'd be surprised. I think they might just kind of stand pat or make some silly trade that doesn't actually help them that much. Uh, that's sort of a, red, a Reds move that they would do. But, um, yeah, I, I feel good about it. We we got, we got some – our pitching has been great recently, and we know the hit can be there. So um, it'll be interesting to see how they handle the, the deadline. We had talked about, you know, potentially – you know, John Indy was back in the news this week, uh, and he actually needed, like, a mental health day, basically, after – uh, there was a pretty heavy rumor that he was being considered for trades for a young, controllable starting pitcher. Honestly, they don't even really need a starting pitcher right now. It's the bullpen that could use some help, but starting pitching's been like top three in baseball in the last month or so. Yeah, that was kind of an interesting report to come out right on the Monday before this big pivotal series. Mm-hmm. I'm kind of wondering if that was just. You know, the Brewers, obviously, they don't need any help in beating the Reds this year, but your mind just wonders if that was kind of a coordinated effort to say, okay, we're just going to throw this little wrench in there and then see what happens with them. But here's the thing, though, too. Um, And you don't really need to trade India, especially for the rest of the season. He's been assured, per Gordon Wittenmeyer of the Inquirer, that he will not be traded at this deadline. So any Reds fans who are unsure about that, don't worry about that. And... He's been an everyday player. He's played the most games out of anyone on this roster this year. He's stayed healthy. He's really been he's been through a couple of tough slumps, but has always bounced back. Emotional leader of this team. I just like it, it seems like a hater move or like a uh, if you guys remember the 20, uh, 2021 the trade deadline, a Kendall Graven move where the Mariners traded him to the Astros. Um, it just seems like it, it's a move that would only hurt your team morale rather than help it if you moved to India right now, which they're not going to do. Yeah, I just think it'd be kind of a dumb move right now considering he's kind of like the guy that's like the leader of the clubhouse and leader of the dugout. He's always in the top step. He's the guy always draped in the cape and the Viking helmet on guys that hit home runs. Yeah, I feel like as valuable as he is and you could probably get something for him, I think it would hurt him in the long run to move him. Yeah, I mean, I, I saw some comments in, the, in that, uh, probably the same article you read, Steve, about from each, from a few of the players, like McLean was quoted talking about how his impact goes way beyond the on-field stuff, and and they really really do uh, feel like they couldn't lose him. And I had seen some speculate Twitter, you know, talk of like, ah, well, ah, there's other young guys that could pick up the locker room slack. But then when they came out and said it, like, no, 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 like we kind of need him. Uh, I thought that was significant. And I would say the leak there was not on the red side. The Reds don't usually leak that kind of stuff. Unless in like a very intentional situation, I'm sure they were just kind of listening to offers for him and some other GM is trying to get a little leverage, trying to stir the pot a little bit and, and threw that out there to some media source and it got it got it, you know it got a life of its own. But uh, we don't we don't we can uh, we can go more into the trade deadline stuff or go back to talking about the games. Uh, besides the Brewers series, I think we did pretty well. Uh, you know all things considered that that giant series a tough giant series where the first two games were basically a double header of sorts uh with the rain out and then they won a couple after that so i feel good about that series and of course the sweep of the diamondbacks going into a tough uh you know say what you want about the dodgers season isn't quite up to par with their last few but a great dodgers team uh how do you feel about the non-brewers matchups recently I feel pretty good about them overall. It's just the, when, when they hit that road block, that is the Brewers. Like they always just seem to stumble. Um, I think they've matched up well against everybody they've played so far. Um, 
yeah, like I'm just surprised that they've done this well and they've played themselves into this situation at this point. Yeah, and like you said, uh, you know, they they had a tough stretch directly out of the homestand. And I, I really think it's just that the Brewers are just a weird matchup for the Reds and they really cover all the bases uh, to make a baseball pun about what the Reds try to do well. And they had 18 strikeouts as we were uh, – during the game before today's recording, uh, which is, you know, that's two thirds of all the outs you can get in a baseball game that they're all strikeouts. So crazy. Do you think Steve, it's I'm, like, I'm, I'm going to jump in. I have a question for you related to the strikeouts today. Uh, do you think there is anything even maybe even implied or like just kind of sub- subconsciously in, in, in our players heads where with how, how wide the strike zones have been by every ump behind the plate this series how many calls the Brewers have been getting, whether it's by ump luck or by they seem to have the catching school of God back there teaching them how to uh, frame pitches. Do you think there's some like, oh, if it's anywhere close, I have to pull a trigger. I have to swing. I can't, you know, it's that that's better than getting get called looking. Do you think that got in the guy's heads a little bit? I mean, sure. And also the positioning, like, so I've been following game day a lot more this year and game day is pretty accurate on where the ball is in relation to the zone. And there are a lot of balls that go outside and then get pulled in. But I think you're right, Don. I think their approach had to change a little bit. And also they, you know, Burns and Peralta, those are their best two. And they kind of got to Colin Ray a little bit, but Ray got saved by some of those uh, umpire performances. I, was Monday night the one where it was a two, uh, two plus plus two runs for Milwaukee just because yeah. of the calls that were made, um, which yeah. is just kind of inexcusable. A, a one run loss, and they had a plus two differential there. Yeah. Uh, and the, the three biggest calls of that game went against the Reds too. Yeah, and I'm not a blame the umps guy. Um, you know, there's been some scuttlebutt as well about Stevenson not being very good compared to William Contreras just on uh, Statcast about. Uh, his framing uh, comparing the two, but just think, you know, we need to have a better system of just rather than just fooling a dude by pulling it in two inches. Like if you're a major league umpire, you probably got to know that. And especially in a big series like that. I mean, it seems that I don't think the Brewers were doing anything crazy. They were just pulling the ball in. They were framing the ball pretty blatantly at times. And, uh, you know, it worked. And maybe that's just, you have to accept that that's how that goes. They had us game planned well. They, you know, they caught, caught us on the base pass a couple times. Uh, well, can we talk about that? Yeah, let's get into that, yeah. Steve. Talk to me about the Reds running game lately. It was a it was a point of strength early on, but I feel like teams are starting to adjust and understand what the Reds bring to the table. And um, maybe the risks aren't always worth it. Yeah, so I read it. I read another article this week. I was doing some reading this week, boys. I read an article like, uh, from the Inquirer about how the Brewers changed their their pitch time from one point six to one point three, or changed their pop time. So I think obviously they've got to tell on when the Reds are trying to steal. I mean, it's pretty obvious because they're trying to steal often with uh, with this current group of players and how well they've done so far to start the season and. You know, Contreras, he's a really good defensive catcher and way better than his brother. Um, he just is able to throw guys out. And I really don't care about it in innings one through six, you know, do what you got to do. But, you know, earlier today, seventh inning, Fraley gets on with a single, still a tie ball game, 0-0. Zero, zero. 
and he gets thrown out on on the second pitch of the at bat, you know, and and then uh, I think India struck out right after that, which you know, he's thrown out two outs immediately. I appreciate the aggressiveness. I get it. And like in any other game, I'd be fine with it. You know, you're trying to steal a run, but it's the Brewers, man. And if you're trying to really, you know, take a hold of the division, I would be more conservative in that situation and just hold that runner there, hope that you can get a hit and run or some kind of action where you're able to move. And, you know, you don't have to steal a base to keep that pitcher off. And this is uh, Puguero, the same guy who let Ellie steal all those bases. And I'm sure he's been taught after that happened, okay, dude, you can't, you got to hold runners on, you got to hold runners accountable. But what do you, am I talking crazy here? Like seventh inning tie game, you haven't scored a run all day. I don't think you can get thrown out on the base pass like that. And uh, like Fraley's a good base stealer too. I'm not blaming him. I'm just saying that, that I just don't think that should be the approach. I'd rather be more conservative and try and keep that guy on base instead of just running into an out. Was that the second out he made? Whatever they threw him out. It was the first out, out, and then India struck out, uh, or whoever struck out right after that to make it two. Yeah, run yourself out the base pass, especially whenever you're struggling to get a run. Like I understand being aggressive there and trying to manufacture a run in that situation, but if you're not having success playing your brand of baseball. I think you kind of just have to put take your foot off the gas, and like what you said, Steve. Just play a little more conservatively. Well, in, in the same way that other teams are adjusting to us, like being faster to the plate, uh, we need to adjust to our opponents. We can't have that aggressive at all cost mindset for every single opponent. We have an opponent that has the best bullpen in the game and has a couple of elite pitchers going against us that seem to have us figured out. We got to value those runners more. When we're playing some crappy team or even some team that's good, but we're get, we're just getting to them a little bit, we're getting more base runners, those base runners inherently have less value because it's more likely that we're going to replace them with other base runners uh, throughout the game, especially early in the game. But, yeah, later in the game and when it's uh, when you're not scoring runs, you have to think about it differently. Whether, that's, whether you still do the analysis and still decide it's worth it, great. But I, I hope we're thinking about things differently in those scenarios and not just blatantly being like, well, we're the aggressive team. We're going to run on everything. We're going to take every extra base. We're going to do the contact play in every scenario. We're, you know, you got to kind of adjust it. And this was, this was after two where the Reds had like two straight innings of getting a man to third and not being able to get him in. Yeah. And that's why I think you need to be even more conservative because you weren't able to. And, you know, with the way Peralta pitched today and with the way Piamps and Williams have been pitching recently, that that was probably your turning point right there. That was probably your best chance to score a run and hope that you can hold on. Because the Brewers, they don't really throw Williams or Piamps when they're losing. They throw out like all the other scrubs and they save all their innings for those guys when they're winning, just so they because they're gonna just sit on your neck and you're gonna lose. So I don't know. I that just rub me the wrong way. I was like, what are we doing? Like, I, I, I do, I don't think that David Bell gets outmanaged. But I do think like Craig Council, Craig Council just has a little bit over him. And I think maybe he tells, maybe he gets the boys more fired up for these series. Cause like they've come out to play in each of these series against the Reds. And obviously the record shows that too. Yeah. And it, it, again, it's good that we're not playing the booze again, but, uh, you look at how the NL playoff picture might shake up. It is certainly not impossible that we see them in the wild card round. Uh, if, if definitely, if not in the NLDS. But you know, at this point, 
I don't know if we would get a buy. I, I would love that. Uh, you know, winning the division isn't a guarantee in itself. And, uh, you know, with the wild card picture that's so tight, you don't know if you're going to get the top wild card spot or the bottom wild card spot. You could easily end up playing the third division winner, which in all odds, like that, that could be that three six matchup could be us versus the Brewers and, you know, either either flip, flip them around. So, man, if we've, ah, that would be tough to face them in the playoffs right away after after this, how the season's gone, but it's very possible. So we, ha- we have to be able to beat those teams that have our number, uh, you know, and, and even playing the Dodgers, like they're going to have us figured out a little bit more than they did last time. Uh, you know, I, I wouldn't expect a guaranteed we're going to win this series. We, we, we can't teams are ready for us now and they know what we're all about. They know our strengths and weaknesses. You know, a lot of our best players aren't getting very many fastballs anymore. Ellie De La Cruz is in a slump as a result. Uh, we've got Christian Encarnacion Strand up now. We, we haven't mentioned that yet. Um, his his bat is a great addition to the lineup, but you know it, it, you can't count on having the same luck. Uh, I will I will call it a little bit of luck that we did earlier in the season, most because you know guys are just not going to treat us the same. It's going to be interesting to see what adjustments we make going down the stretch too, because the jigs up, like you were saying. Uh, and there, there is something too where, like, I think the Bre- you can say the Brewers just have our number because we've played so well against literally everybody else, maybe other than the Braves. True. But all those Braves games were one-run games. You know, that it wasn't like we were getting our doors blown off. And you know, Baseball Reference classifies a blowout as five or more runs. And the Brewers did blow us out a couple games in that first weekend series in Cincy, but. A lot of the other games have been pretty close since then. You know, it's more just that the Brewers would just sit on our neck and just you know, squeeze the life out of us. So, I I am interested to see what goes on this weekend. Um, I haven't looked at the starters for LA, but Tommy Thrall was saying today that two of them have ERAs over six. Um, maybe that'll change over the weekend as the Dodgers get some reinforcements. Just they just traded for somebody recently. Maybe the Reds will trade for somebody as well. But it's going to be a fun series and. Finally, a series that I can watch at actual nighttime here instead of just right as work is ending for me. Yeah, that reminds me, Steve. I think I mentioned that uh, I will be out on the West Coast, too, uh, starting tomorrow. I'm going to Lake Tahoe for a bachelor party. And uh, there's a few Cincy guys there, a few diehard Reds fans. So I am bringing my uh, Roku TV uh, thing. And uh, the little trick there, for those that don't know, if you have a Bally Sports app, sign in on there you can be anywhere on the planet and it'll it'll give you your local home games so like that was that was my trick in uh when i lived in texas i signed in on my parents account on my roku and uh it give me local cincinnati even in texas so uh, i'm sure we'll, we'll be have a, have a busy weekend but i think at least one of the nights we're going to be uh just drinking at this house we're at so i plan on watching uh watching some late night reds with you steve so 1 a.m eastern time I'll, I'll be ready to uh to talk shop about the reds game <laughs> I love it. I love it. We should hop I will on. Be in bed. <laughs> we'll let you know what happens, Rob. <laughs> Thank you. So I mentioned briefly the Ellie De La Cruz is on another little slump. Uh, I, I want to talk about it. I want to talk about the scoreboard thing with, with the Brewers. I think that was really fun. But other than the little hijinks, with, he, he, he hit home runs in two straight games uh, at the end of the Giants series and then in the start of the Brewers series. And he, he was able to troll the Brewers a little bit. But other than that, it's been very frustrating. Pitchers seem to have figured him out. Where do we go from here? 
No, I do kind of wonder if he's kind of gonna just gotta drop the right-handed uh, switch hitting thing. Like I, I'll look up his splits right now, but just from feel, it just he's getting a lot of curveballs and he's just swinging right now. And like, yeah. obviously, he needs to figure that out. But it just seems like he's just not doing as well, um, obviously, as he started. And that's just because you know the these guys are saying, okay, you're not gonna just dunk on me, dude. I'm I'm trying to be better and I'm not going to just give you give you outs. So, uh, sorry, give you easy pitches to hit. Well, let me, uh, I'm trying to find his stats here. So Rob, go ahead. I will say though that, oh, go ahead, Rob. Yeah. I was just saying, just echoing what Steve said, he's been getting more and more breaking balls at every at bat. Um, I know he's batting better from the left side than the right side. Um, yeah, the books out on him too. You know, they know they can crush the, he can crush the heater. And it just seems like every breaking ball he gets, he's either swinging through it or he's swinging over the top of it or he's chasing out of the zone. Um, especially like this Brewers series, going back to what you're saying about like the expanded zones, I think that may have gotten to his head a little bit too by just chasing and getting out of his element. Yeah, I, I think the best thing for him to do long-term is going to be able to figure out how to lay off that that slider, that sweeper uh, that's you know down and away. The problem that I'll throw back, uh, unlike kind of early on where he was getting started with fastballs and he was he was ready for more fastballs and he was he was ready to smack them. I, I don't know if you guys noticed in this series, there were a few times where like 93 mile an hour fastballs were like thrown past him, like right down the heart of the plate. He just like wasn't ready for it because he was probably expecting curveball slider. Uh, and guys are now it's now the opposite where guys are sneaking fastballs by him, which is crazy. And you know, he swung it up a pitch at his eyeballs uh, today, and he, he's definitely just getting pretty free uh, with two strikes, trying to protect the plate good. You know, he had a couple 11-pitch uh, at-bats that ended in strikeouts or whatever. Uh, but they've got him so figured out that they're going from getting to swing all the sliders to then just sneaking a fastball by him. And, yeah. man, if he's ready for that fastball, if he just sits fastball – and then just doesn't swing at anything. Like he just needs to recognize the slider better. If you just recognize a slider, you, you know, I know there's like ways you're looking for the spin of the, uh, of the seams. If you can recognize that and you can see that it's starting low, you lay off it. And then the fastball doesn't scare you. You're ready for the fastball. And when some guy tries to throw a 93 mile an hour inside fastball on you, you don't just stare at it because you were waiting for a 70 mile an hour curveball. For the cowboy was saying on the TV broadcast, they were pitching him backwards the entire time. Yeah, exactly. And he probably didn't really deal with much of that in double A, triple A, whatever. Yeah. And he'll adjust. I, I think he will. And obviously, you know, if Joey Votto can talk to him a little bit like he did to Will Benson, then that will be like just just the best thing for him. But um, just as a left-handed batter, OPS 846, all of his home runs um, and 18 RBI have come from the left-handed side. As a righty, uh, 234 average, 527 OPS, one RBI, two doubles, and nothing else. So I, I don't want to just be reductionist and just say, okay, shut that down, because he is a switch hitter, and that's what makes him great. But I am just kind of like thinking out loud if maybe he should reconsider that. Uh, there is something interesting, though, just from the splits while I was pulling this up. Uh, the second time he sees a pitcher, a, a starting pitcher, his OPS is uh, – Sorry, I had it, had it here. Um, the second time he sees a, I'm just botching this. Oh, okay, here we go. Second time he sees a pitcher, 
Uh, 1.160 OPS, 743 slugging, uh, three home runs, seven RBI. Uh, and weirdly enough, all of his home runs are against starters. So uh, I, I do think that's interesting that, you know, he's maybe taking advantage of bad starters and like he's adjusting and he has a better OPS the second time around than he does the first. So like, because his against a starter his first time up, he's hitting 765 OPS. So like maybe you change, take him out of that leadoff spot. Maybe that's giving him too much pressure because this whole series, like he had two hits and he one home run in the single today. And then he struck out, I think every other time almost, um, I don't really like just throwing him up there just to be up there, but uh, I'm I'm fine with Bell changing in the lineup. I just don't know if t- giving a slumping guy the leadoff spot is really well, yeah. I I wouldn't hate the idea of him batting fifth or sixth and uh, getting to watch the first inning on the iPad. I think you're able to do that, right? You can watch the the pitches back pretty quickly. Uh, and, you know, obviously you can watch from the dugout too, but it's a little easier on the iPad. Uh, and if you put him down in the lineup, you can watch watch the pitcher. Obviously, they're doing that with old game film beforehand, but being able to see what he's doing today, what he, how he's attacking the Reds, uh, that might help him. And that's maybe that, that's an advantage he gets for his second time up. Uh, and the other great thing about the MLB is that, you know, if 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 it is a benefit for him to see guys multiple times, he's going to start seeing these pitchers for a second time and third time. Uh, you know, he's a rookie. He's only been up for a little while. Uh, we're going to play teams again multiple times. So he's going to see the same pitchers again. And if that's a good benefit for him, great. But he's going to need to also learn how to hit against pitchers he's never seen before. But again, he's 21. He's a rookie. He's got great skills. Uh, but he's going to have to learn. And, uh, you know, one guy that's done a great job of learning on the fly and putting together a hell of a season. Uh, I had the I, I put out this argument, I think, in our group chat, maybe in a different Reds group chat that uh, Will Benson is like the best five-tool player on the team up there with Matt McClain and right behind uh, Ellie De La Cruz. He is having an incredible season, and he's doing it all over the ballpark, on the base pass, uh, in the outfield, and at the plate. I mean, what he, he has been an absolute revelation since he came back. The, the stats that he's alongside is like he, he is like the third best OPS in that time, uh, and Shohei, of course, is ahead of him. I forget who the other one was, but... Uh, pretty crazy that no one saw this coming, of course, and uh, he's made the most of it, and it seems sustainable. How sick was it yesterday whenever he had the outfield assist? He just caught the ball barehanded off the wall and just spun, just fucking fired it. That was so <laughs> that sick. Was, that was a great throw and incredibly athletic to be able to just grab, snag that ball like that and yeah, immediately like, spin and have an accurate right. throw. And give India, India credit, too, for making a great throw uh, throw on the on the cutoff, but Go ahead, Steve. Is he the best nine-hole hitter in baseball? <laughs> Gotta be. Gotta be, yeah. To be, yeah. I mean, I do you, think, think, do you think he enjoys hitting there? Uh, I'm sure if you asked him, he would love to you know, hit cl- cleanup. But uh, do you think Bell like worries about moving him? Like, Is it just like, oh, he's, he's a great great spot there. And it works as the second leadoff guy. Like, Go let him hit a double, and then then you're at the top of the lineup. Like, that's, uh, That makes our lineup that much more scary rather than hitting, you know, uh, uh, melee in, in the nine hole or something. Uh, and I, I do think it's the classic, you know, Tony La Russa thing where you reset the lineup with a speed guy at number nine. And he's been hitting the ball really well. And I, I just, he's been 
a revelation for this team, and it's something that we've really needed this year. Um, so he he's not uh, our our old friend Jose Siri is leading OPS when batting out of the nine spot, but Will Benson mm-hmm. out of the nine hole eight sixty six OPS man like that's pretty damn good, and he's been really what this team has needed. He's provided a little extra spark at the bottom. Um, and he's also one of those rookies too. He's a really young guy who's been able to help. And I think he gets the most excitement other than obviously like Ellie or McLean. Uh, whenever he hits a ball, I, I see more people just on the timeline be like Beeman, you know, like I, I think the nickname <laughs> helps him, but yeah. uh, he's been a revelation for this team and they will need him to really keep evolving and growing and stepping up uh, for them to you know be better. Yeah, for them to jo- keep winning. His joy for playing the game is just so infectious. Do you think we'll see a point this season where we'll move him to the leadoff spot? You know, I wouldn't hate that. Uh, or maybe even the two-hole. I, I don't know how much longer uh, TJ Friedel is going to stay up there. Uh, I guess he's got that spot pretty locked down when we face a righty, but uh, Friedel has been a little iffy as well lately. But say, who hasn't for the Reds? Uh, they need to you know, everyone get hot again and then we'll figure out how it shakes out. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. We'll see. Uh, I'm also glad you guys appreciated my take that, uh, Will Benson could be the fastest player on the planet if he took his first step towards the bag instead of his first two steps, like behind him. Uh, it is kind of, (laughs) when you notice that the false step is, it's kind of funny to watch. He just like kind of scurries out of the box, but it would make him so much faster if he fixed that. And I'm sure coaches have like told him that there's no way he's not aware of it. Uh, but it's just like a habit that he's, he's probably been doing that since he was 12. And it's just, yeah. that's how it goes. Well, that's like a swing Twitter momentum taken that way too, maybe. Yeah. It's Twitter too. Noticed that um, uh, he probably plays right field a little bit better than left field, especially at home. I don't really know what that is, but um, I kind of wonder if they'd flip and have Fraley play left and Benson play right, especially after that play that you mentioned, Rob, that he made. Uh, uh, last night. I I think he's been another great defensive member of this team as well. And that's just going to be huge for when we get down to crunch time. Um, We we need some guys who are going to be able to make solid plays, have that arm strength, secure outs. uh, And Benson's been that for us. And I love that. Man, that's a nice catch last night too, I believe. Yeah, you did. Last Uh, night or Monday night? It was last night. The, uh, the arm of L.A. De La Cruz, speaking of throwing arms and all that, just unreal. And uh, getting him involved in more plays where he can show off that arm, I think uh, is a really big argument for him playing more shortstop. Like, I want him being the cutoff man any chance he can. That throw to the plate when he threw it at 99 miles an hour, he's just not involved in that play if he's third baseman. Uh, I noticed that when uh, he's covering third and Matt McClain's taking the cutoff. And, and Matt, Matt McClain is a good ball player. He's a slick fielder. He doesn't have the arm of Villa de la Cruz. And I wonder if there's a situation where that could that could matter pretty significantly. I think our best defensive lineup has uh maybe Nixon Zell at third, Nixon Zell or Steer at third, and uh and then Elliot Short, McLean at second, and uh eh, say Votto at first, but or maybe yeah, put Senzel at third and and uh Steer at first would be your optimal defense lineup so if you know if that's a change that you make in the eighth inning or something when you're up by a couple of runs 
I don't know if you guys noticed this, but like whenever Ellie throws the ball, it's just so interesting to watch because it just seems like his arm, like he whips it from the side, but it seems like his arm just kind of coils up like a spring. <laughs> and when crazy. he lets it go, it just explodes out of his hand, but it yeah. looks so freaking effortless. I've never yeah. seen anything like that before. He's got that that pitcher whip, you know, but it's <laughs> like, you know, just the elbow is like perfectly coiled. Like right whippy. Whippy. When he throws it, it looks like he still has more in the tank, though. And like, and they'll be like, <laughs> yeah. "Oh, that was a 96 mile an hour throw across the infield." I was like, "It looked like he was holding back." <laughs> it's, it does not make any sense at all. But I just want to see him pitch one time, just to just to see what what kind of numbers he's putting up on the gun. Like, yeah, he would look crazy. very funny on the mound because of how tall he is. But uh, yeah, I it, it's something that I would love to see. It will never happen, but. Um, I just want to ask this question, though, Don, because you were talking about the outfield assist. Do the Brewers just not respect this guy? Like, they keep running on him. Like, they were throwing him. Obviously, you know, they struck him out a lot. But, like, the scoreboard thing happened, and then he hit the home run. Like, the Bru- did, he, did they not watch him just steal all three of those bases in their ballpark? I, I didn't understand that, why they kept running on him and stuff. That's true. Yeah, I don't, I don't get it. Uh... I think it's a psychological thing. I think they're trying to get into his head because they're a dick, just like their manager. Yeah, I mean, yeah. to be fair, he's a rookie. It's it's kind of the same idea that the Reds go with a little time. Like, can you force errors? Can you get in a guy's head? Uh, a guy who hasn't been there before, uh, really, you know. I don't hate it. The Brewers are – man, I feel like we've talked about the Brewers for the the entire time of this podcast, and it's always been like, oh, we hate the Cardinals, we hate the Pirates, we hate the Cubs, we have reasons to hate all these teams. The Brewers are fine, whatever. That's, you know, obviously, obviously divisional uh, rivalry at the top changes that uh, where you're both competing for the division. But, man, I don't like the Brewers this year. I, I no. um, And it's no, not no. just a they have our number thing. Like, it is just not fun to play them. Especially when Weimer was, like, raking against us. I was like, yeah. dude, I used to like yeah. you. What the hell? <laughs> you see Bearcat. Yeah. Yeah, and then Play Frelick. a beer league softball swing. Yeah, Frelick I love this like, little the little oh, yeah. hitch with the little brave arms. That thing is fun to watch. Like, I would enjoy that so much. When he gets a hold of one, it looks beautiful. Just dropping the hands and then just teeing off. Uh, but anyway, we don't need to support him. Uh, what we do need to talk about is the trade deadline coming up. Uh, we can get into our thoughts on uh, what we do at this upcoming deadline, which I mentioned I think gets a little confusing with how well that the uh, starters have pitched lately, as well as knowing we have a couple coming back. But, uh, Steve, you got some thoughts for me on some of our trades we've made in past deadlines, past uh, in past years. Uh, does that t- tell us how we've been doing lately and, and why should we trust Nick Kroll? So the I'm really going to cut it into the David Bell era here. And these are the big trades. These aren't like the minor league guys from minor league guys. We're just going to start with the biggest trade to start the David Bell era. 2018, uh, the Puig for Bailey trade. Um, So obviously that trade kind of brought some excitement back to Cincinnati. Um, It didn't really work out in the end because uh, their, their contributions to the Reds uh, even with adding Trevor Bauer and his 2.6 war in there, uh, total B war of 5.5 um, with Kyle Farmer and Bauer. Farmer had 2.8 war in his time with the Reds, Bauer 2.6 war in that season and a half. Um, so both pretty good contributions, but um, I go ahead, Rob. 
And to think that Kyle Farmer was the one that stuck around the longest out of all, out of those guys that were traded. Yeah. I did come on this podcast and say we should extend Yasiel Puig in 2019. I am glad <laughs> we did not do that. Um, uh, this is why you don't get emotionally attached to these guys. Um, so Homer Bailey was cut by the Dodgers. Josiah Gray traded to uh, the Nationals for Max Scherzer and Trey Turner. Those two combined for 10 more. Jeter Downs was traded for Mookie Betts. Mookie Betts has 18.3 war. So the Dodgers cleared about 28 B war in that trade. So I'd, I'd say they won that one. Um, Steve, I, can I interrupt you? I want to talk uh, about the Dodgers real quick. Did you, did you just get the notification on your phone? They just made another trade. They're, they're getting after it. Wow. Oh, Ahmed Rosario. Interesting. Okay. Sending Syndergaard to the Guardians for Ahmed Rosario. Wow. They're, like, they're they, just trying to really retool for this uh, Red Series, man. Yeah. Seriously, they need another shortstop because uh, like Lux got hurt and then Rojas is just not kicking it for him. Um, I am happy, though, that Noah Syndergaard is going to be on the, the Guardians because Ellie is going to hit a fucking moon bomb off of him. because You know he's going to pitch somehow in that series. So, um, by the way, if you don't have Passon and Rosenthal notifications on during this time and you're a baseball fan, what are you doing? Like, yeah, get those notifications. I know X, Twitter, whatever it is, it sucks, but, like, that's that's where all the live news is happening. So, um, definitely. Did, did Passon get hurt recently? Didn't a tree or something fall on him? Like, a yeah, did you hear about that? That's crazy. He, like, broke yeah. his back. Yeah, that was uh, that was weird. Um, and he said like the painkiller tweets are going to be fun. I have not seen one yet, but <laughs> never know. Arson Judge might be getting traded to the Giants. You never know. Um, All right, Steve, get back to your get back to your trade review here. <laughs> okay, so total Reds B WAR from that trade five point five. Total Dodgers B WAR twenty eight point four. Dodgers win that trade, but that was a Dick Williams trade. Uh, this is it did clear first- a lot of money. With yeah, the Homer a lot of money, got Homer uh, Homer Bailey off the books, got people excited for that year. But we'll move on. Uh, Rysel Iglesias, a clear salary dump by Nick Kroll. Um, neither of the players that the Reds acquired ever played for the Reds. It was Noya Ramirez and some guy named Rivas. I did not write his first name down. Uh, so, But they did not collect any war. Um, but Rysel Iglesias did collect three war with the Angels. He was traded for... Uh, Jesse Chavez and Tucker Davidson, who have combined for a negative 1.7 war. So the Angels cleared 1.3 there, kind of a nothing burger. Iglesias obviously now with the Braves. Now we get to the big one. Starting in 2022, the Winker-Suarez trade, which everybody got upset about at the time. And, you know, rightfully so, two club legends from that 2021 season who everybody really loved and was big fans of. But... Jesse Winker, I, I hate to say this because he's our guy, but he has just not been the same since he left Cincinnati. Uh, he sold high on that one for sure. Yeah, Sold very high. Negative 0.3 war when he was in Seattle. He was traded for Colton Wong, who this year has a negative 1.1 war. Our guy Gino doing a little bit better in his time as a Mariner, 5.2 war. So Reds have totaled 3.8 war out of that trade. I'm sorry, the, the Mariners totaled 3.8 there. Braley, on the other hand, he's a 1.8 war guy so far. Obviously, we have not finished the season yet. Justin Dunn, negative 0.1. Brandon Williamson, 0.9 B war. Connor Phillips, which is one of our bigger prospects and still has some upside coming. Um, You know, we we still need to see on him. But right now, Mariners are clearing the Reds by about 1.2 B war there. But again, there's still some guys that need some time to cook 
come in the future. This could be a really big Reds win. And right now, if you look at the Fraley and Winker comparison, straight up that trade, no one's trading Jake Fraley back to the Mariners for Jesse Winker right now. Like, I think the Reds look better and better every day from that deal. Yeah, that that trade, I think you're going to look at a year from now, and it's the numbers are going to be even more in our favor. That, you know, the, the guys are obviously much younger, and uh, Brandon Williamson, I have been so happy to see his development. I mean, and he's still so young. Uh, he is going to be a heck of a pitcher, and he's. I hope he has a spot in this rotation long term. He gets the ball uh, Friday night against the Dodgers, against Bobby Miller. Hell yeah. His velocity's been up recently too, so like he's been he's been killing it. And one final trade, the Tyler Malley trade from last year's deadline, of course. Uh, Malley, uh, he was a little bit injured and had to get Tommy John this year, so did not make many starts for the Twins. I think he made nine total, 0.5 WAR in those starts for the Twins. Reds, Spencer Steer back 1.6 so far. Christian Encarnacion Strand has not collected any wins above replacement so far. And Steven Hajar, who was traded and flipped for Will Benson, who has a .9 war so far this year. So the Reds are currently have a 2.5 war from that trade, which for Tyler Malley, he is cut off at .5. And obviously, Steer, CES, and Benson are all going to be on in Reds uniforms for at least the next five years. So... I think it's safe to say the Reds fleece the Twins on that one. Like that's a that's a yeah. straight fleecing right now. And without Tyler Malley could come back to the Reds too. Like you never know. That could definitely be a thing. He was a decent guy during his time here. So uh, I think the Tyler Malley statue needs to be built outside of Great American Ballpark, right next to Joe Nuxall, or he's warming up in the bullpen somewhere. I don't know, but mm-hmm. he's got to put Tyler Malley and his non-smiling face somewhere on a statue in Great American Ballpark. Yeah, that one really worked out for us. Uh, I, I think Malley's a good pitcher, and he, he'll have one more season with the Twins, right? No, oh, he's uh, uh, he's a free agent. Really? Oh, okay. Oof, wow. That's tough. Yeah. And obviously the Castillo trade, the guy, none of those guys have come up yet, but Nuavi Marte is killing it in AAA. Edwin Arroyo is crushing it in uh, single A with the Dragons right now. And there's two other names from that uh, trade, which I'm not remembering, but both of those guys seem to be – Big members of the Reds coming up in their future. Uh, is that the one we got Levi Stout? Levi Stout. There you go. Yeah. So I think I the think... other guy was an, is a nobody, but Levi Stout has, I don't know, he, hey, he's eaten some innings for us. Yeah. I mean, obviously Castillo has done pretty well uh, for the Mariners in that sense, but uh, Levi, I still could see him as a development guy. The other player was not Chase Petty, was it? No, that was the Sunny Gray deal. So Okay. Um, Never mind. I'm way off. Oh, you're good. And Sonny Gray has obviously done well for the Twins, um, and they are leading their division too. So happy for our guy there. But, I mean, Chase Petty is another arm, and I think that's what the Reds are going to try and do in the future is you know, try and get arms because they're not going to be as successful signing guys to come back to Cincinnati and pitch here. So if they can trade and recruit and draft arms that way, then I think that's going to be their way, pathway to success in the future. I have a question for you, Steve. So – that was very true two, three seasons ago when we were doing this whole, you know, let's sign guys like Nick Castellanos. Let's let's sign all these players and try to uh, put put together a team purely through free agency and, you know, the trades where we got Bauer and, and you know, whatever. Uh, when you have a young core like the Reds have where, I mean, some of these players that are just coming up now are going to be Reds until almost the end of the decade. 
and they're just going to keep getting better as far as how their age goes. I mean, they're going to be good until 30 at least, and most of these guys are under 25. If that's what you're walking into, if I'm an elite pitcher, I would take the risk of uh, of signing a four-year deal and pitching half my games in Great American Ballpark. Is it like, kind of like the uh, the whole Bengals thing where like guys wanted to play with Joe Burrow? Is is there an argument that guys are going to want to they would love to take a contract and pitch with uh with an Ellie De La Cruz led offense and with uh you know Alexis Diaz closing out the games behind them. I think that changes the equation, does it not? I don't know if that works the same in baseball as in football, but well, and there's also like there's more effective guys than like the top. Obviously, the Bengals signed the top offensive lineman on the free agent market, and I don't think the Reds will ever sign like say the Garrett Coles or Max Scherzer's of the future pitching markets, but they were like right up in, in it to the end for Zach Wheeler a couple of years ago, who also pitches in a bandbox ballpark. Like I, I do think they have some chances to recruit guys to this team and say, Hey, we're going to win a lot of games and we want you to be a part of it. And I do think as well, like if, you know, there's still just one spot because if louder works out for the reds, that's yeah. like, that's already yeah. four spots that you've got. And, you know, there's still a lot of guys that can develop, but I do think just one big veteran starter like, would be awesome for this team. I think that's a good point. And, and a veteran starter and not, you know, not your Luke Weavers of the world, but a legitimate, like, all-star who starter. Have played, not been demoted in their career. How about that? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, ben Lively has been, has been good for us. I will say that. Ben Lively's been great. Uh, I don't, you can't count on that next year. You can't really count on it even the rest for the rest of this season uh but he's been he's been a revelation he's pitched really well against the brewers too for what that's worth uh, so it, that's good stuff so so then where does that leave us what uh you know there's a whole discussion about who should still be on the team you know in the off season going into okay we got to really go for it in 2024 but for this year kind of the bonus year you don't really want to just sit pat, though. You you got to make some kind of trade. The starting pitching's been better. The offense is still great, and there's still not even enough spots for for everyone. Is the only really obvious answer to go get a bullpen arm or two? Yeah, I would say so. Considering uh, how just shaky the bullpen's been overall this year, um, yeah, going that's back, been a strength I'd say, but it, it's, it's not it's as deep good, as it could. Be. Right, exactly. Sorry about that. Yeah, um, yeah. yeah, it just seems like there's, there's like two guys you can consistently throw out that you know you're going to get out, and the rest is kind of a crapshoot. So I think you need somebody with a little more stability. Cruz and Jabot have been really good recently. You know, if you want to name some guys besides Lucas Sims and uh, Alexis Diaz, I think they've been great. But past that, it gets a little questionable. Like Derek Law doesn't really have a spot on this. I don't think he should be on a playoff roster. Uh, you know, we're going to get TJ Antone back, but there's no guaranteeing he'll be, uh, you know, an elite reliever like he was. I think we need another lefty. You know, Alex Young has been really good, but having two lefties in your bullpen would be a great move. Uh, I think the Padres said they weren't going to trade Josh Hader. Uh, does someone that knows? Know. Yeah. Uh, for those of you that know more than me, are there is there another lefty that might be on the market as far as relievers go? Um, the, I think the Tigers had a guy, but uh, yeah, I, th- I think we looked this up last time, honestly, and I don't remember, but hopefully someone's written a better article since then. But um, I have to imagine that uh, there's got to be someone that the Reds are looking at. Um, and, you know, they there's something, there's got to be something working uh, for us. I, 
again, I do think that that Chapman uh, deal could have been just something that would nice that would have happened for us. But you know, it's it's just unfortunate that we couldn't get that done. Uh, I'm looking at this list and okay, Chase and Shreve, there's your guy. I think I said him last time, but he's a Tigers guy. He's under club control for the rest of 2023. He's a minimum guy. I think he's a 32-year-old vet. I think if you get him in, you just got another lefty arm. Because, like, weirdly, Reaver has had no updates on him since he went on the IL yeah. in, like, April. So it doesn't seem like he's going to come back this year. And he has but, his moments, but I'm not counting on him to be, a you know, a, a, an elite back-of-the-bullpen kind of guy. Yeah. Um, I, I would love to, like, I don't think you should rely on Antone as well to – go right into the high leverage fire as soon as he get as soon as he comes out. But like say if you traded like Buck Farmer to somebody since he's a free agent and you got a reliever with a couple of more years of control, like I would I would do that in a heartbeat. Like Buck Farmer's been good for us for sure, but I would rather have a guy with some more club control as well. Now, now Steve, I'm gonna throw a scenario out at you and I, I want your honest thoughts, Rob. Uh you too. When he comes back how do you feel about Nick Lodolo going to the bullpen? Just for this oh. season, he's going to come back, not stretched out probably. He's going to be ready to go right before the playoffs where we only nearly need four starters. We're going to have uh, Abbott, Williamson, Ashcraft, and Green at least, plus Lively, plus anyone we trade for. Uh, we need a lefty, and the, and the trade market isn't really screaming at us. Yeah. That'd be an interesting wrinkle. I, I wouldn't be he against it. He wouldn't have to do as much rehab as well. He wouldn't have to, you know, work yeah. up to uh, pitching five or six innings down in the minors. He'd yeah. probably just need a week or so to get ready. I, I would love that if he was, like, following up. Say you get Lively to go, like, two and a third or three innings, and then, okay, here comes Lodolo for for three, and it's just a yeah. lefty and just fooling batters and getting guys on that back foot slot. I would love that. That would be awesome. Um, yeah, like a pitch. split start where just, like, Lively and uh, and Lodolo each pitch three innings. That could be well, Yeah, I like that. Um, I'm kind of interested in that just because, you know, I think Lodolo would understand that as well. He's like, we got to win, you know, get me out there. Yeah. Let me let me pitch in this situation. Or just like a Hunter Green, Nick Lodolo split where Green goes five and then Lodolo goes four somehow. Now you've got me imagining good things, Don. I, I, I like that's like your, uh, that's how we would do games in like high school ball. Just throw your best two pitchers at them. But uh, that's good. I, we'll see. I, I think you got to get creative and, uh, you know, who knows what we'll get, but I hope the Reds do something. Uh, even if, even though that's a little silly that we, you know, we, again, we feel like the rotation at this point doesn't need that much help. I mean, you're not going to get a top end, top end guy. Uh, the offense while struggling recently, just doesn't have any spots. Everyone there is going to be there long-term. Give me a couple bullpen arms. And that just shows the Reds. They're not just like saying, fuck it this year. Like whatever happens, happens. I think, Making a trade or two, even if it's like only a marginal improvement, would really I think would do a lot for the morale of the offense too. Like, oh, the off like the ownership's behind us. They're trying to win this year. It's not just the bonus year. Like we're gonna do we're gonna try to surprise, shock the world, America's team. That kind of thing helps your offense too. And 
the guys kind of need a boost right now and we got a few days until the till the deadline and there could be some excitement coming uh, i don't think it's going to be shohei otani even though those edits that i see him and with him wearing a red jersey are pretty great are mean for that man people are <laughs> mean for that it's like, just it's like not gonna happen. Talking baseball people, like the big national accounts, are tweeting that stuff out, and I'm like, guess this isn't gonna happen. Like, like, what planet are you on? They're trolling us. See, I do like this though. This like this line of thinking again, compared to the 21 deadline, where the Reds like ne- probably needed a bat and they didn't get one, and they, yeah. I would honestly take that 21 deadline where you just get three relievers, like. Maybe if a contending team is trying to clear a couple guys off their books to bring in someone, then you take those guys and clear off some money or something. I, I I do think that would be good because you're right, Don. You you don't you're not going to make any roster moves. Like the only roster move you'd make is if you make it to the postseason, you're bringing up Stork Fairchild. Other than that, like you're not really doing yeah, much and dropping a catcher. Man, too, but, yeah. we need Stu back on this roster. Bring back Stu. And that's a that's a defensive move kind of deal too, where we just need another guy in the outfield that knows how to play outfield. Watching Steer and uh, Senzel chase down fly balls is it's not fun, especially late in games. Uh, and Bensel, Friedel, and Fraley, I guess, is a pretty good uh, outfield there, but those guys aren't going to be there. You know, that's it, whatever. I, we could use some flexibility. Uh, Kurt Casale on the on the Phantom IL. I love I love that they're just kind of rotating through the Phantom IL. Who like I don't know who will be next when Kurt comes back. When they just kind of have to bring really? him back. Uh, yeah, he might need that. But it's like Kevin Newman got called back. He hasn't even played since I believe. Not even like a pinch hit or anything. Uh, needs someone to put their helmet on. Guys. You know, like they, yeah. they need someone. Yeah, because India's got a hit. So right, right, right. I do want to mention so, this I don't know. real quick, though. Um, ahead, I ahead. do think that Barrero is probably going to be the chip that the Reds are offering mm. the teams, you know, just because he's been hitting the cover off the ball in AAA. He doesn't really have a spot with our major league team. Like, I I wouldn't – I would hate to lose him because he's a good depth piece, but I do think that's the most attractive trade chip that the Reds have. I'll add yeah, one it, more name in that list, too, Steve. Uh, Austin Hendrick, the outfielder that's down in uh, – I believe he's in, in double A right now. Oh, he's in double A. Okay. I didn't know. I didn't know that. That could be interesting. Uh, I wouldn't I totally hate getting rid of those guys. But yeah, with, with Novi Marte hitting better, uh, with the infield clearly pretty short up in, uh, in you know, at the, at the major league club level, even even though Brero is, is hitting a lot better in AAA, there's just not a spot for him. And he, he probably deserves to be on a major league roster and getting major league at bats uh, for some team, even a team that is in. Uh, competing for the playoffs, man, he could he could have a spot there even. You know, depending. Here's on your how trade: you trade him to the Tigers with a pitching prospect for Chase and Shreve and Michael Lorenzen. Bang, you got it. <laughs> there you go. Hey, two I, I wouldn't two. hate that. That sounds like a great trade to me. It's, funny, it's, funny, you that. it's yeah. funny you say that. I'm looking through CBS right now. Like their top like 20 like trade pieces, they have Michael Lorenzen listed as 10, and the number one potential landing spot is with the Reds. Yeah, I mean the the reunion would, would be great. Although uh, we don't really have a spot in the rotation for him, and I know he wants to start and he likes starting. So, yeah. Sorry, man, you're going to the bullpen. <laughs> Just is what it is. Yeah. Yeah. I'll come back. I going hope you kept the red van. <laughs> uh, all, all right, right Don, about... update the, uh, the, yeah. the tracker. So. As as frustrating as it's been coming out of the All Star break, not totally 
you know, winning every every game like we were before. Uh, facing the Brewers, tough stretch there. Uh, again, still eight games above 500, still in the wild card spot. And our playoff odds last time we came to you were 34%. They've jumped up to 63%. So keep the faith, Red Legs. The, as long as this team doesn't go on any real extended losing streak uh, or, you know, really bad stretch, it's been a little frustrating watching the offense recently. I'm not gonna not gonna act like it hasn't been, but this pitching's gotten better. We know the what the offense is capable of, and people are coming around on the Reds. People realize they are in this mix. They are firmly a playoff team right now in the wild card, uh, and I think they still have an incredible shot at the division. Being one and a half games back for the Brewers without having to play them again, uh, I feel pretty good about that. The internet seems to agree. If you remember our first, the first podcast of this season, we were at a 0.6% chance at making the postseason. So, uh, hey, I think we're going in the right direction. Uh, um, uh, just in baseball trade values, uh, the Tigers get Barrero, who has a zero value, and Christian Roa, who has a 0.7 value. And we get Lorenzen and Shreve for a total value of two. So, come on, Tigers. <laughs> you got to take that. Sure. Be another guy if you want, but yeah. So, but I agree though, Don. Like the playoff tracker has been going up. The Cubs, who I have been uh, holding up on, they have uh, their tracker has been going down, and it's only going to keep going up. Like the Reds got helped majorly, obviously, by beating the Diamondbacks this weekend. The Giants losing a bunch of games in a row. The Marlins looking just completely dead out of the All Star break. They've been helped a lot by a lot of teams kind of falling off right now and staying or above water and if they keep keep that 500 record september can't wait i just can't, can't wait for wait. that hey speaking of the cubs steve uh, i think i mentioned this to you guys offline uh, and i haven't mentioned on the pod yet but i will be uh your boy will be in wrigley stadium uh what is it like a week from t- a week from tomorrow uh the cubs are the reds are doing a week weekday series and uh, the last game of the series thursday night uh i will be there buddy of mine I'm staying nice. with. We're gonna get uh, bleacher seats. I've been to a I've been to a Cubs game before, but definitely not a Cubs Reds game, and definitely not uh, in the bleachers. So I'm I'm excited to see how it's how it goes. I'm gonna wear my brand new uh, Will Benson uh, uh, Friday night black jersey. Uh, it's gonna be great. Nice. Are we gonna see you breaking up Cubs things? <laughs> definitely not gonna get in the mix with that. I'm gonna try to keep to myself a little bit. I, I, I know I know better than to uh, to mess with uh, the Bleacher Bunch out, out in Wrigley. I need you yeah, to but, uh, at least contribute like ten cups to the Cup Snake, Tom. <laughs> well, I'll, I'll contribute to the Cup Snake, but I won't be uh, I won't be pulling any hijinks wearing wearing my Reds gear. I'll, I'll say that much. Fair enough. All right, boys. Looking forward to. It. I, I think we're uh, we got through a tough stretch, and uh, man. I feel pretty good about it. We got through it all right. The Reds could stretch stretch off some good wins here. Uh, we've actually played pretty well away from home. So we had all that long running the longest homestand of the season, I believe, uh, just ended. So Dodgers, Cubs, hey, you're next. We man, every single game we have, I expect to win. And that is such a crazy feeling. Yeah. I think we're gonna win most of these games, and I'm I'm excited as hell about it. So Next time we come to you, Steve will actually be in Cincinnati. We're going to go to a game together uh, while he visits, and uh, we'll, we'll we'll do a little pod. It should be right after the trade deadline, so anything that happens or doesn't happen, we'll talk about it. We'll we'll get together in person, maybe maybe have a couple cold ones, and uh, talk some Reds baseball. So look forward to that, boys. I love Hell it. Yeah. Sounds great. 
All righty. Hey, let's cheer on those red legs. Steve, I'm looking forward to chatting with you at 1 a.m. Eastern uh, next couple of days. Uh, that's going to be wonderful. Rob, I hope you sleep well. And uh, thank you. Let's go, Red Legs. Go, Reds. Go, Red Legs, baby.